0: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 129, and we are recording on April 24th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Tuesday! Hey! Hey. I am back from vacation. We ate all of the delicious food. I ate so much. Oh my gosh, y'all. I went to New York for a week uh, with my parents to see Hamilton. My mother finally got tickets in the lottery, and it was amazing, of course, but the, it somehow turned into like an eating tour of the city, which is great. And yeah, I had some amazing chicken. I went to what is it, Red Rooster right in Harlem? Yeah, Harlan, yeah. Which is uh, Marcus Samuelson's restaurant, and I ordered what on the menu was called a yard bird, which I thought would be you know like just pieces of fried chicken. But it's an like a chicken, like a, <laughs> a bird, arrived on my plate, and it was fried and delicious. But it was so much food, and yes, and that was my vacation. Pain nice. and
1: Hamilton. The best vacation. (laughs) So what are you reading? I did so much assigned reading in the last two weeks that I'm like letting myself fall down a, a paranormal romance rabbit hole right now. <laughs> so I'm reading, I'm catching up with the Nalini Singh Psy Changeling series because there's a new book coming out soon and I want like, I'm determined to like be caught up with all like what, 15 or 16 of them by the time it comes out. I know there's so many. Um, So I'm on like number nine. So I'm like, I'm more than halfway there. Um, But yes, yeah, so I just finished The Bonds of Justice, um, which is, which is, one about an actual like human hero. Usually they're like, you know, wear jaguars or wolves or whatever. Um, but Bonds of Justice is about a human and then a Psy who has like special powers and they have to solve a crime and also fall in love with each other and the, all of the world building is still there and I just love the series so much. Um, what are you reading?
0: I just started Life's Work, A Moral Argument for Choice by Willie Parker, um, which is a memoir slash research nonfiction like narrative nonfiction book um by <laughs> Willie Parker, as I said, who is a, an abortion provider in the deep south. He's one of the very few doctors in Mississippi and Alabama, um, who like travels to the very few clinics that are left providing abortion services to women. Um, He's also a practicing Christian and was raised in an evangelical fundamentalist household. Um, And he's black. And he was very opposed to abortion until he uh, read an interpretation of the Good Samaritan story in a sermon by Martin Luther King. um, And that sort of woke him up to the conflicts uh, inherent in Christianity and being anti-choice. And now he completely changed his life. He was an OBGYN and he like... Sold his private penthouse in Hawaii and his private practice and has become this, you know, like traveling band where he uh, tries to serve the women of the really, really deep south. So the book is both about him and his experience as a person of faith uh, and an abortion provider and also about the current attacks on reproductive rights that are happening now. So it's really great. I saw him on it, when Colbert, maybe? Like one of those late night they all kind of run together, maybe right? Fallon. Mm. I don't know. One of those late night talk shows talking about the book, and I, you know, I went out and got it. So so far, so good. Nice. Yes. Um, okay, so before we get rolling, I wanted to mention we are doing a mystery thriller giveaway on the site right now. You can go to bookwright.com slash mystery giveaway to enter. We're giving away 15 of the most exciting mysteries and thrills of the year so far. They all come from inclusive voices and diverse voices. Um, and you know, it's just a big giant. Bucket of 15 books. So go enter it. It includes a lot of authors that we've talked about on this show, including Azma Zahinot Khan and Walter Mosley and The Widows of Malabar Hill, which I am going to recommend in the show later. Yes, good plug. Go me. That was <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> go enter and win many, many books. Um, okay, so how the show works. This is a show for personalized reading recommendations. So if you need a book rec for any reason, you're traveling and you want to read about the area, you have a book club and you're, you know, just can't think of anything, you need a gift for somebody, whatever, you can send this requests to us and we will recommend books to you. You can email them to us at getbookedatbookriot.com or you can drop them in the form at the bottom of the show notes on the site. If your uh, question is time sensitive, like you need it by a certain date, please put that in big bold letters in the subject header of the email or in the first line of your request if you use the form so we can try to answer it on time. Um, if we don't think we're going to get to it on time or we've already answered your question on the show, then we will email responses to you back, which is why we ask for your email address in the form. Um, we email you back in case we're not going to get to it. So that is how the show works. Uh, feedback, feedback, feedback. We do have some feedback from Miranda. Is, that, is this an insider or a comment? Do you know? Do you remember? I don't remember. Don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Miranda is a listener <laughs> of some. <laughs> shape, fashion, or form, (laughs) Um, who has recommendations for the person who is looking for books about science and scientists. Um, She says, mostly, I just want to say all of her socks, any of it, which is yes. Um, And she does really have a thing for the action scientist trope in sci-fi. So if that's the thing that you're into, she recommends the Murderbot Diaries, uh, Binti, The Girl with All the Gifts, and The Themis Files, which is the, uh, oh, what's his name? Sylvain Neuvel. Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, Books. So thank you very much for your feedback. You can go check those out if you are at all into science and or action, exclamation point, scientists in science fiction. (laughs) All right. We're going to do our first question
1: and our first sponsor with our book, Jen, and then we will roll on. Indeed. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance to both Kyle and the listeners. They're doing, they continue to do construction in my apartment and there's literally nowhere to go in my apartment <laughs> that you can't hear it. So hopefully, not my even the closet. <laughs> is, hopefully my mic is sensitive enough not to pick it up. But if there's some noise in the background that's what it is. I apologize. All right. Our first question is from Rosie, who says, I really like books where people have secrets. For example, Serafina, where Serafina has to hide that she's half dragon, Bitter Blue, where Blue has to hide that she's queen, or The Lioness Quartet, where Alana hides that she's a girl. I like books with secrets only if the secret is revealed at the end because my favorite part is waiting in anticipation for the secret to come out. That's why I loved the TV show Merlin. Bless that show. (laughs) I guess I'm asking for Rex along the lines of these books and TV show. All right, so before we get to secret-keeping fantasy... Um we are going to talk about the, one of our sponsors, Bruno Johnson, the Bruno Johnson series by David Putnam. It is about ex-cop and ex-con Bruno Johnson and the fearless Marie who have illegally rescued children from abusive homes and smuggled them to a safe haven in Costa Rica. As the action moves from the disposables to the replacements and then to the squandered, all of which are titles in the series, uh, Bruno and Marie are repeatedly forced back to the United States where they face treachery, violence, and looming incarceration. The Bruno Johnson series is fast-paced and really Relentless, while also heartfelt and authentic, written by a best selling author whose career has spanned several areas of law enforcement. So, again, that's the Bruno Johnson series by David Putnam. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Uh, secrets. I'm just going to keep talking. Um, so I picked for you an unkindness of magicians by Kat Howard, because there are multiple layers of secrets in this book. Like there are secrets that some people are keeping. Some people are keeping more than one secret. And then there's like a big secret sort of throughout the whole structure of the book. Um, it is about, uh, it takes place in New York city in contemporary time, but in this sort of urban fantasy, there is magic in the world. And um, magic is like sort of hidden from the mundanes. They're called, you know, A.K.A. Muggles. Um, and there's a new magician on the scene, Sydney, who is, has this like incredible powers. Um, and she enters the scene just as the magician circle is undergoing this sort of—they call it the turning. It's basically a tournament of magicians to see who gets to be in power until the next turning. Um, and she gets hired by sort of an outsider dude who who uh wants to establish his own house um doesn't necessarily want to be in charge of everything but like wants to like have more power than he has now and she takes the job but she has secret reasons for doing it and you start to find out that the way that magic works in this system has been twisted in a very dark way and there's also a magic serial killer on the loose so many so many things are going <laughs> on in this book um I, it's kind of like when I was reading it, I was like, oh, this bit, like, it's, like, eh, not derivative of, but it reminded me of The Magicians in some parts. It reminded me of the short story The Ones Who Walk Away from Omalas by Ursula Le Guin. In other parts, it reminded me of The Night Circus sometimes. So if those are all books that you like, you probably want to pick this up. I do wish I had gone a little bit deeper in a few scenes, but it's a really fun read. It's really engaging, and Sydney is an amazing main character. Character, and there are lots of other great POV characters to root for. Um, trigger warning for violence against women I did mention that there is a serial killer. It's Grizzly, FYI. Um, so that's An Unkindness of Magicians by Kat Howard.
0: Okay, my pick is No Good Deed by Cara Connolly, in which the main character's secret is that she's a time traveler. Hey! (laughs) So her name is Ellie, and she is a teenager. This is a YA novel. Um, And she is a, like, Olympic-level archer. When the book opens, she is in England, in Nottingham, at the uh, qualifying trials to get onto the U.S. Olympic archery team. And the book is full of, like, really cool, specific archery stuff. Uh, because she maintains that throughout the book. Um, So she is at the trials. She's taking a break, like, looking for lunch, I think, and she ends up wandering underneath Nottingham Castle just, like, thinking about her life and all of that. And then when she comes out from underneath the castle, she's in medieval England and thinks she stumbled into, like, interrupting a... A reenactment or something, or, like, all of these actors. But then she very quickly realizes, um, one of the big clues being that there, no one speaks English, they're all speaking French, and there's a lot of heads on pikes. Uh, she figures out that she is no longer in her, her time and sets out trying to survive. Um, she is taken under the wing of a knight who's returned from the Crusades named John, who turns out, of course, to be Little John. Um, and she, like, just is trying to get back to her... Um, her time and figure out how to escape this weird time suck that she's in. Uh, But then she realizes that a lot of the things that are happening where she is, which is Sherwood, um, are really unjust. There's a lot of people who are starving. The the kind of government, local government system with the sheriff is uh, really cruel. And so she starts putting together a team of bandits who call her Robin. Get it? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it's a teenage girl, like a gender-flipped retelling of Robin Hood. Um, And she keeps this secret that she is from the future the whole time, almost. (laughs) Um, So you are with her that, like, while she's trying to solve all of these social injustices that are happening in these villages and these people that she's come to really enjoy, uh, while at the same time, like, you know, not being burned as a witch or arrested and tortured or dying of the plague, which are all very real threats um, to her. So it's great fun, super fast. I found the archery stuff really fascinating, especially... It goes really in-depth into, like, the different kinds of bows and how to hold it and all of that, like, the, the real names for all of the bits and pieces of it that I don't remember anymore because it's been a while. Um, but all of that was really cool. So that's No Good Deed by Kara Connolly. Okay. Question two is from Chris, who says, I've recently gone into therapy, and two counselors have told me that they're pretty sure I'm on the autism spectrum and likely have Asperger's syndrome. While I wait for the medical diagnosis, I'm trying to get my head around this, as I'm in my 30s and have lived the rest of my life not knowing it. I usually like to go to books for help, but most of the ones I can find are about children. Also, they tend to be about people who are low-functioning, while I am quite high-functioning. As such, the few people I've told... Uh, express surprise about this fact as I have a job and friends and a marriage rather than being a math genius who can't talk Um, Two books I've read before are The Speed of Dark and The Reasons I Jump both of which contain some elements I recognize in myself, but many do not. The areas I struggle with are dealing or struggle with uh, dealing with include complex social situations, crowds, nuance in communication, needing to work in a struggle uh, needing to work in a structure and struggling to deal with unexpected situations. Um, I hope this all makes sense. Okay, Totally makes sense. And I picked for you, it might seem a little odd of a pick because it is romance, but I think that this is kind of right up your street. It's The Rosie Project by Graham Simpson. Um, And this is about a man in his, he's not in his 30s, he's a little bit older, maybe in his 40s, I think, because he's compared to Gregory Peck in the book, um, who, his name is Don. He's a genetics professor who has never been on a second date in his life. Um, He doesn't have very many friends, but he is very high-functioning. He's socially awkward. He has. He needs things to be very structured. Um, I don't remember if it's stated in the book, but he's like very obviously on the spectrum. And he decides that he needs a wife because his neighbor tells him he would make a wonderful husband. And he doesn't understand that because he's assumed this whole time that he's, you know, he's very smart and good at his job, um, but is not good at maintaining romantic relationships. Uh, and so he, just, he comes up with what he calls the Wife Project, which is an evidence-based, very systemic, the perfect partner Um, and it's essentially like a flow chart of non-negotiables like if she smokes, no, if she Shows up late to things, no. Um, If she drinks, no, all of these things. And then this woman, Rosie, comes into her life, who does all of those things, um, and is also like a bartender, and is very, you know, feisty and sarcastic, and speaks in a lot of ways that Don doesn't always understand, because he's very literal. Um, And she is coming to him, Don is a professor of of genetics, because she's searching for her biological father, um, and thinks that uh, his expertise in DNA will help her with that. So he puts the Wife Project on hold, and takes up what he calls the Father Project, which is helping Rosie. You find her dad and their relationship blooms and he uh this like very you know he's a very literal minded scientist has to learn to manage his life around this woman who's very spontaneous and um loud and doesn't isn't logical all the time and really confronts all of these things about himself um, that he doesn't really know how to handle so it, it is romantic and funny it doesn't treat dawn in any kind of like condescending way Way I didn't think, um, so I think that this would be a good pick for this situation. So that's the Rosie Project by Graham
1: Simsion. I also picked a romance. What? Um, <laughs> but actually, I have good reasons. I mean, I, there's always good reasons for a romance, mm-hmm. but this one specifically, um, it's a Girl Like Her by Talia Hibbert. And the reason I picked this is because I think this is the first story about an autistic or autistic spectrum main character that was written by a writer who is on the spectrum herself um talia hibbert is uh on the autism spectrum and um and i i I picked this up specifically because i read a piece where she talks about how exciting it was to finally like write a neurodiverse character because when she writes, normally she's always trying to write neurotypical characters and she has to like double check to make sure she got it right (laughs) um, with other people. And so like this time she's just like writing basically how she feels. Um, So the main character, Ruth, is a young black woman um, who lives in a tiny village in England and has a reputation in the town for being a weirdo and also for like being... Loose, I guess, is the polite word. Um, and she is has isolated herself because of both of these things. Doesn't really have friends. She's close with her sister, who comes to check on her pretty regularly. She lives by herself. Um, she has a web comic. That's how she makes money. And she's like, she's fine. She's like, she doesn't want to talk to anybody. She has like, you know, basically just like decided that she's gonna be solo and be fine, and that's fine. Um, and then a new guy comes to town, Evan, whose POV you also get. And um, he is a metalsmith and is taking a job. He's also a veteran. He used to be in military service. Um, And he just wants like a quiet, normal life. But he's a really good guy. And on his like very early in his uh, sort of time in this town of Ravenswood, he sees an interaction between Ruth and somebody else that he thinks is just terrible. Like, why would anybody treat a woman like that? And then it turns out that she is his neighbor. Um, And so, you know, one thing leads to another. Um, It is a very steamy romance. If you've read Alicia Rye or Alyssa Cole or Sarah McLean, like, that's the kind of steamy level you're looking at here. Um, But I thought it was so great because it's just – she's just so – Ruth is so fine with being on the autism spectrum disorder. I mean, she knows that it limits her in specific ways, some of which you talked about in your question. Um, but she like, that's not her problem. Her problem is that this is a really small town and people say things and it's really easy for one person to control the narrative about another person. And that's her problem. Um, and it's really fun to see her and Evan like get to know each other. Um, and like how Evan like doesn't mind that she's really brusque and doesn't mind that like she's not good at small talk and like doesn't care about a lot of the things that other people seem to be bothered by. Um, and like, you know, the things that are holding them apart are like not being honest about what's gone on in their past in some cases. So I just thought it was great. It was a really fun read. Um, and it's also very heartfelt. And I, I, I can't believe that this is my first own voice for our autism spectrum disorder, but I'm pretty sure it is. So that's A Girl Like Her by Talia Hibbert. Alrighty. so the next question is from oh victoria who is an insider she told me that this question was in here (laughs) my she says my mother's birthday is coming up in may and i was hoping to get her a book set in tanzania because my parents will be going there in the fall my mom is a lifelong fan of elephants so having them included would be great she sorry my cat is being weird um she has already read the white bone which is a book that comes to my mind first with this request her favorite authors are Maeve Binchy and richard wright she's not really a fan of quote-unquote depressing Books and particularly likes them to have happy endings. What you got, Amanda?
0: Okay, I picked uh, a book about animals because I kind of latched onto the elephant thing, Um, and I went with My Life with the Chimpanzees by Jane Goodall. Um, I don't feel like I need to explain anything else. (laughs) Of course, Jane Goodall is a like famous, world-renowned conservationist and scientist who worked with chimpanzees in the wild. Most of her work was done in the forests in Tanzania. Um, and this is a book about her life. It's her memoir, and from the time... It starts from when she was a little girl and, you know, had dreams of working with animals and all of that, um, and then up through school, and then when she was in her mid-20s, she went to Africa to observe chimps in the wild, and then that's where she kind of ended up staying and becoming world-renowned as Jane Goodall. And there you go. I Yeah, I really latched on to the, like, elephant thing. There, there are no elephants in this book, but it's, you know, Jane's work is, um, I don't want to call it feel good necessarily, because she like faces a lot of hardships and there's a lot of danger, mostly from leopards in in her work um, and a lot of frustrations and all of that. So there's like, it doesn't lack conflict in the book or um, obstacles to overcome, but you can tell that she so much loves what she's doing and that just like comes through. So even though there are no elephants, I think somebody who really likes animals in any way will will enjoy something like this. So yeah, that's My Life with Chimpanzees by Jane Goodall
1: alright so listen I really (laughs) tried I I tried so hard to find you a feel good book with elephants but like they as far as I can tell do not exist like all of the books that I could find about elephants were like really sad about like poaching or like animal cruelty or like novels where like bad things happen and I didn't I did not want to give you that Um, so my book does not have an elephant but it is super interesting and I think it will be a great pick for this trip. It's The Worlds of a Maasai Warrior, an autobiography by Tepilet Ole Saitoti. Um, and um, it is a memoir um, about a uh, uh, basically, growing up in Masailand, um, he had the author had a traditional childhood and adolescence, and then left um, the Serengeti where he grew up to go to America um, to go to school to go to university. Uh, he became a park ranger and a tourist guide, um, and basically left his like very sort of sheltered um, traditional life to see the broader world, and then came back. Um, and so what he's talking about are both like these cultural traditions and then sort of the culture shock that he experienced going from there to like you know become a park ranger and a tourist guide and then to the USA and getting a university degree um, and like you know the culture shock of being in western civilization and the way that people in America treat black people even though like he's not African American so the assumptions they're making about him just don't apply in certain cases um, and and then coming home and seeing what was going on um, to with like where he grew up and the land surrounding it um, and this book has amazing like reviews like if you started to read the reviews like it's one of those books where people are just like you have to read it before you go to Africa like you really should um, because it's all about you know like both the tribal societies but also globalism and like what do you do with those things when they intersect so I think it'll be really interesting for her um, And it's about a guy who's like, you know, made a really interesting life for himself. So I think it's feel good in that way. Definitely grapples with important issues. But those are things that you should think about anyway when you go on these kinds of like trips. I think Um, it's good to know about the challenges that are being faced in the place that you're visiting. So that's The Worlds of a Maasai Warrior uh, by Tepilit Ole Saitoti.
0: Okay, question four is from AJ who says, I'm very interested in reading some Westerns because I live in the Southwest but have yet to find anything that works for me. A lot of the Westerns I've encountered seem to be written for and by old white men and usually vibes Involve sexual violence towards women and a vaguely racist protagonist, both things I would like to avoid. Do smart, diverse Westerns exist? So far, i found the comics Kingsway West and Pretty Deadly, which I love, but I'm really looking for novels. Any help you can give would be much appreciated. Okay, I did not get a novel for you. I got a collection of short stories, so like, you know... Close. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the ballpark. So it's half an inch of water by Percival Everett, and this is a collection of short stories. They're not set in the Southwest, but they are very much westerns. Like they're set in Wyoming and Colorado, and like the north, a little bit, a little bit northern, um, but still dry desert, lots of scrubland, rivers, that sort of stuff. Um, and this is the opposite of, of the the kind of westerns that contain the problems that you're talking about. Um, Percival Everett is not an old white man, and the characters in these stories are, as far as I can remember, almost all black or indigenous unless otherwise specifically stated. So there's a a lot of diversity uh, in these stories. And they're all, they're just like really well written, and they all really capture that kind of spiritual, spirituality brought on by like a vast emptiness of the West. You know, you stand in those landscapes and it's all dry and everything looks very dead and like the sky is sitting on your head and it's so big it's hard to comprehend. And he weaves all of that into these stories. Like the supernatural is kind of almost there on the fringes a little bit without getting openly, you know, supernatural. Um, And they're all about kind of normal, quote unquote, people. Like there's a a father-daughter story. Um, There's a story about like a sheriff, one about a a veterinarian. Um, And they are kind of, Every, not everyday life, because there is one about like a girl who's found in a den of rattlesnakes after she wanders off into the desert, which does not happen every day, I don't imagine. Um, but small episodes in um, in people's lives in trying to survive and navigate that kind of landscape um, while still maintaining their relationships in a, as, as normal a way as possible. Um, so yeah, so it's Half an Inch of Water. It's also very slim. And he this is like his sixth or seventh book, I think. So if you like it, there's plenty more that you can read from, um, from Everett. So it's Half an Inch of Water by Percival Everett.
1: I love that collection so much. I'm really into it. Okay, I... I have a novella because it's really hard. It is really hard to find full novels that are smart diverse westerns. Like that is kind of a unicorn. Um, but we're starting to get more, and one of them is the River of Teeth series by Sarah Gailey. Um, and there are two. Is the second one out yet? It's coming yeah. soon. I think it just it's, came. It's or either or just out or it's coming out. No, out it's
0: May twenty second. I just yeah, saw yeah, it yeah. on
1: Instagram yesterday. <laughs> so there's a there's there's some things in the series for you and. Um, um... And it is technically more of a Southern than a Western, but it is a frontier story and includes like literal cowboys, except that instead of herding cattle and like riding horses, they ride hippos. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really fun. Um, I have also read Pretty Deadly and really loved it. And while this is not nearly as sort of serious as Pretty Deadly, um, it has some of that like fantastical elements. I, or like it has some of that surreal feeling to it that I think you will enjoy. So the story is that. Um, this is like a real proposal that somebody wrote up in the in the early 20th century in the 1900s. The US government was like, what if we imported hippos into Louisiana? to be like a meat source like instead of cows um and so the u.s government did not actually do it but sarah gailey was like but what if they did and (laughs) wrote a hijinks like caper around this concept so the set in the 1890s in america um louisiana like a big chunk of louisiana has been turned into marshland by these dams they're all but the hippos have like gotten loose and now they're feral and like killing people um And so the U.S. government is like, whoops, and hires Winslow Houndstooth, who is the sort of captain of this crew, to, like, deal with the hippo infestation. But they don't tell him how he has to do it. And so he comes up with a really bright idea um, that requires, like, a gunslinger and a thief and this, like, motley crew of people. And it is so diverse um, and inclusive and fun and, like, really just smart. Uh, It's a pleasure to read. Um, um, and it has all of the, like, baseline tropes of a Western, but without all of the racism and misogyny. So I think you will enjoy it. So that's River of Teeth by Sarah Galey, which is the first in the River of Teeth series.
0: I have got to get those books it's is that
1: really fun, it's, it's, Tor, fun. It? it's Tor isn't it Was that
0: it's tour. it is yeah.
1: Tor yep Tor yep, yep,
0: does yep. I mean I know most listeners and readers don't so much care about publishers but let me just tell you that mm-hmm. Tor does the most interesting novellas yep. and I feel like every time I see a new novella out from that publisher it's always by a person of color or a queer author and they're doing some like they're taking tropes and just warping them in these fascinating interesting ways with hippos like, mm-hmm. anyway go team Tor <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about our second sponsor before we move on. Um, our second sponsor is Ba Blue, your source for books and gifts for avid readers. So this is a catalog company that sells books and bookish things. They offer an eclectic, hand-picked selection of odd books, literary gifts, all personally reviewed by a super small team of editors. It was founded in 1994 by a book-loving lady out of her home, which is cool. So it's essentially a literary boutique, an alternative to big-box booksellers or giant online conglomerates that some of you might be trying to avoid in your (laughs) personal shopping. Will not name any names. Um, So they offer really fun, friendly, personal recommendations of high-quality books, gifts that you might not discover otherwise for readers or for yourself. You can order them online, or if you're OG, you can request a catalog to be sent to your home. Um, Book recommendations are their specialty, and they really, really shine a light, or try to shine a light on books that have flown under the radar. So books that aren't getting a lot of buzz, but are still super worthy of your attention. So that's if that's the thing you're after, you should definitely go uh, check them out. So you can go to BobBlue.com slash Book Riot, and it's B-A-S-B-L-E-U, BobBlue.com. I mean, not slash Good Riot, I'm sorry. BobBlue.com slash Get Booked, which is the name of this podcast, and you can get a special offer for Book Riot listeners, first-time buyers. Thank you for sponsoring the show. I did a little snap there. It was nice.
1: Indeed. All right. Our next question is from Nella, who says, I am a black woman and I am studying forensic science. Naturally, I love mysteries and thrillers, but I think there is a severe lack of diversity in the genre on all levels. Race, gender, sexuality, body type, class, disability and neurodiversity. Some books and authors I like who I found are Attica Locke, Walter Mosley, Tess Gerritsen. Asma Zehanat Khan, and Vasim Khan. I've also read Tasha Kavanaugh's book, which had a fat main character, and I read Japanese mystery books like Out and Tetsuya Honda's books. Beyond this, I am stumped. Do you have any recommendations for me? You're not wrong. There is a lack of diversity. It's starting to get better, though. Um, and the book that I am recommending for you has been on my reading list. I'm waiting for it for the library. But it's like taken the Book Riot contributors and staff by storm. It's IQ by Joe Ide. And it is sort of a riff on the Sherlock Holmes concept. Um, except it takes piece, takes place excuse me in LA. Um specifically in the East Long Beach neighborhood, which has like an incredibly high crime rate, murders go unsolved, lost children are never recovered. <laughs> So somebody from the neighborhood has decided that he's going to solve the police the cases that the police can't or won't touch. Um, he goes by IQ, and he is like a loner and a high school dropout, um, young black man. But he is super smart. He's like that got that savant, you know, Sherlock Holmes smartness, and he is sort of like. He's working for whatever his clients can afford, so like a cake or a casserole or maybe new tires, like whatever. <laughs> um, and then he also takes on some high-profile clients that can pay to make ends meet. Uh, so the this mystery starts out with a rap mogul whose life is in danger, um, and so IQ, whose also name is Isaiah, um, starts to investigate. There's a vengeful ex-wife, and then there's a crew of cutthroats and an attack dog and a hitman, and it's just like you know everything is kind of intense and crazy and dangerous. Um, The series is ongoing and Joe Ide, it's interesting he himself is a Japanese American but he grew up in South Central LA and like he's given interviews about like growing up and like how he wanted to be part of the culture around him and how he grew up listening to rap music and like his brother was a drug dealer and like he was very enmeshed in the culture that surrounded him and that was what he wanted to bring to this book. So it's not precisely own voices but it is from an author who has experience um in the territory and culture that he's writing about um and yeah like everybody's just obsessed with these books i can't wait for my copy to come in from the library so that is iq by joe eday
0: very co-signed I love that book so much. I learned a great deal about attack dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, yeah. Nice. Uh, Not the point of the book, but still. So, okay, my pick for you is Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujata Masi, which is one of the books that we're giving away in the mystery giveaway that I talked about earlier in the show. And all of those books are diverse. So even if you don't enter, I really suggest that you go look at that page that lists out all the books that we're giving out in the prize, because that would be like just a great reading list for this question. So anyway, Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujata This is the first book in a new series called the Praveen Mystery Series, and it takes place in Bombay in the early 1920s. And it's about Praveen Mystery, who is the first female lawyer in India. She's come home from Oxford, where she has got her law degree, and is working for her father's uh, very respected and historical law firm. Um, her her dad's company has been handling the, the estate of a Mr. Omar Fareed, who has just died. He's a wealthy Muslim living in the neighborhood who has left three wives behind. And as Praveen is like going through the papers, she notices that all three of these women have signed their inheritance over to a kind of sketchy sounding charity. And there's no indication in the paperwork of what these women and their children are going to live on now that their husband is dead. So she's super suspicious, and talks to her father about it. But since these women are observant Muslims, they can't speak to her father, who is their lawyer, because they, they're they in mourning and they are in strict seclusion and they can't speak to men they're not related to um, or, or who aren't guardians over them. So Praveen steps in and says, I will I will go speak to them and I will find out what's happening to them. Somebody has to stand up for these women. So she goes to their home um, and starts to investigate and realizes that something is terribly wrong in this house Um, and the tensions really escalate, and then there's a murder. And then she has to figure out what actually happened, all while facing these, like, intersectional obstacles from her gender, from her religion. Her family is uh, Zoroastrian, um from her the fact that she has a job which is super weird in that time period in bombay um there's also you know like her she's she's helping these women who are muslim she's not muslim so there are those cultural uh, barriers that she has to overcome to help them and make sure that they're provided for and then also you know somebody's dead that's awkward so she's got to figure <laughs> out why that happened <laughs> um but it's not uh it's not a cozy mystery necessarily i wouldn't say that it's a cozy mystery because she's not really an amateur like this is her job um But it's not, like, grisly or graphic either. It's very much a book written to kind of teach you about life in this neighborhood in the 20s and the different kinds of people who live there and the things that they would have faced, specifically the women, um, the kind of obstacles they would have faced in their daily life just to, like, carry on and the ways in which they overcame those things. Um, There's also a really great side character who's um, Praveen's best friend who is a white English woman who she went to Oxford with, who has traveled to India with her family. Her father is, like, very high up in the colonial government. Uh, and she is just, just this, like, bubbly, perky, kind of silly um, sidekick, which, uh, you know, it's, uh, like, a very new and interesting thing to me to have a mystery novel where the white girl is the sidekick and not the brown girl. Um, so that's, that's an interesting twist that Massey is kind of doing on that trip. So that's The Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujata Masi. Is it my turn? It is. It's is. Okay. your turn, yes. Question six is from Carol. She says, I'm an avid reader, but I've noticed that lately I've been reading books that contain doom, plagues, apocalypse, and catastrophes. I've liked these books, but I need a change. I'm looking for happier and funnier choices. I read a lot of science fiction, but I'm open to other genres. Please, no tearjerkers or super warm fuzzies. I did read Furiously Happy uh, by Jenny Lawson and loved it. Okay, what you got, Jen?"
1: Well, so when it comes to fun, but not a lot of feelings, which is what I thought you were asking for, I always go to YA. And so the book I picked for you is one of my favorites from the past year. It's the epic crush of Jeannie Lowe, which is the first in the Jeannie Lowe series by F.C. Yee. And I just found this book really, really fun. Um, It is about, as you might guess, Jeannie Lowe, who (laughs) uh, lives in the Bay Area and she is in high school. She's like coming towards, you know, she's staring down the barrel towards college. Um, And she really wants to go to an Ivy League. She's an overachiever. She just like really is gonna she's very competitive and she wants to crush it um and so um she is like obsessed right now with trying to figure out how to get into harvard um and then something starts to go weird in her neighborhood um there's like weird things happening and she is not sure what's going on but they seem supernatural but that can't be right right like that can't be and then a new kid comes to school and is like oh what's up like there are demons in town and you need to help me fight them and she's like I don't have time for this I need to go to Harvard like I have things to do to get me into Harvard he's like no no really you need to help me fight demons <laughs> and everything kind of goes from there. Um, it is a sort of updated retelling of the Monkey King legend. Um If you're familiar with that, if not, look it up. It's fun stuff. Um, And, yeah, Jeannie, I love how Jeannie gets to be smart and a high achiever, but also, like, not super upper class. Like, like, she has to get scholarships because otherwise she's not going to be able to pay for college. Um, And she's allowed to get angry. She gets really angry at some of the disruptions to her life. And she's just allowed to be, like, a full... Person and also be like a, uh, you know, demon butt kicking badass so i i just found it really enjoyable i will say that after having talked to a bunch of people about this book apparently if you live in san francisco the geography is like a little wonky so some (laughs) things may not be where they should be or there are things where those things are not i don't know i'm not from the Bay area didn't bother me but i will note that for those of you who are but yeah so that's the epic crush of genie lowe I love that book so much. It's so it's much so fun. fun.
0: It's just, it's got this great Buffy kind of thing, yeah. but without all the weird angsty, I don't know. It's right, just good. right. <laughs> okay. Um, my pick for you is the Invisible Library series by Genevieve Cogman, of which I think there are now six, five or six. The first one is just called The Invisible Library. And there is a lot of danger and like potential catastrophes in these books, but they're, they are happy and funny and everything turns out fine uh, in the end. So there's not, you know, this isn't like post-apocalyptic stuff. So Irene is a spy for the library, capital L, capital L library, which exists in another dimension and they, their jobs as librarians are to harvest books from other dimensions and other realities so different versions of London for example different versions of uh, you know places that you're familiar with across time and space and some of them have like magical abilities some of them don't Uh, and the library houses the original copies of these books that come from these specific time frames and their goal as far as you know in the first book is to preserve those so you've got a bajillion copies of Sherlock Holmes, but they're all from different versions of England. So they all have like, they're a little quirky. Everyone is a little tick off from the next, et cetera. So she gets a new um, assignment to go to an alternative London, which is kind of in the 1800s. a little bit Victorian, a little bit steampunky, but there's magic and some interesting technology stuff. And she gets a new assistant whose name is Kai. And their mission is to get back a stolen book, who's been s- that which was stolen by somebody, what, a member of the fae? There's, like, fae, there's vampires, there's dragons, there's all of these kind of beasties and baddies. And so when they get there to get the book back from the person they think has stolen it, it's been stolen from that person. So, like, this book is long gone. There are a lot of different underground factions and, um, uh, I guess, racial, as far or I guess more specifically species, um conflicts that are happening, like the Fae versus the vampires kind of stuff. Uh, and they're all warring over this book, and she has to figure out why. And adding to all of that, um, you know, intrigue and mystery and stuff, her assistant is super not who he claims to be, although he really hasn't claimed to be anyone. Like, he doesn't volunteer a lot of information about himself. Um, but she's starting to realize that something is a little weird with that guy. Uh, and also, the world's magic is has been bent to allow... Some of the supernatural creatures who are in the world to coexist, and that's messing up her ability to do her job because there's like very strict magical rules when it comes to the library, and in this one, those rules are um, kind of out the door. So she, you know, danger, secret societies, steampunky airships, dragons—that's what's happening here. It's super <laughs> fun. Like it's just fun, and Irene is hilarious. She's very no nonsense, and like I, this is going to sound a little bit weird, maybe, but she's also like a pretty sexual character. Like, she is very unapologetic about wanting to have that part of her life fulfilled and then just kind of moves on, which in, like, a super fun fantasy novel with dragons in it is kind of like, huh, all right, I see you. So that was nice. I like that too. Uh, And then Kai is also a great character. And the thing that you figure out about him is, like, a nice reveal. So that is The Invisible Library by Genevieve Cogman.
1: I really need to read those. I so can't believe I haven't read them already. It's so funny. Um, one of these days. All right. Our last question is from Emily who says, I love weird fiction, be it the more fantastical kind like China Mieville, or some of Jeff Vandermeer's work uh, or more contemporary slash speculative like the other Vandermeer series like Southern Reach um, and also the comic horror slash fantasy works of David Wong and Christopher Moore. That's a lot of dudes. Are there any female or femme slash non-binary authors writing or even main character Starring in Weird Fiction, I love the strange and absurd situations and the ironic humor of Weird Fiction. All right, yes, there are. I have for you (laughs) *Jagannath* by Karen Titbeck, which is by far the weirdest book I have read in the last year. I mean, top five weird books, and that includes *Born* by Jeff Vandermeer. So, like, they are definitely up neck and neck in terms of weirdness level. Um, This is a short story collection, and Titbeck is a Swedish writer. and they recently like re-released this in English um and it is so strange like describing <laughs> the stories are really hard um there's things like you know a guest house where um something strange is growing on the front porch but maybe it's fine like there's another one where um a mother and her two teenage daughters goes off to take care of a house that's in the family possession um it was inhabited by like an older relative who's now died and they have to deal with the house <coughs> excuse me. And you find out that there's, like, this history of maybe it's mental illness, maybe it's something more supernatural in the family that all kind of comes out over the course of dealing with this house. There's another one that's, like, very Alice in Wonderland-inspired, inspired, excuse me, but much darker, um, which is saying something, because Alice in Wonderland is already pretty dark. Um, There's, like, you know, sort of, like, cannibalism and, like, weird things growing in weird places and, like, somebody turns into a mouse. Like, I don't know (laughs) how exactly to describe it to you. Other than that, these stories made me super uncomfortable. They're very... Well, written, and they're just kind of those like fever dream surreal sort of situations that you get in weird fiction and, and pretty much nowhere else. So, I think this is like way inside your wheelhouse. Think you'll dig it. It's Jagannath by Karen Tidbeck. I don't even know how to talk about this
0: book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I picked The Beauty by Aaliyah Whiteley, which you guys heard me like struggle to describe when I was reading it on the show a couple weeks ago. And now I'm going to struggle to describe it as I recommend it to you because it's just the weirdest friggin' book I think I've ever read. So this is it's post apocalyptic. All of the women are dead in the world. All of the women have died, and there are only men left. And we are um, set in like this kind of commune in a in a village uh, or a valley rather, uh, where some men have gathered to essentially live out their last days. Right? There are no women. Humanity is doomed. We're all just kind of hanging out here till it's over. Um, and then the main character, whose name is Nate, is who's the group's kind of designated storyteller. At night, they gather around, and he tells the story of the women who they, that they've lost and the story of their lives together. And it's kind of like their entertainment, basically. Um, he goes wandering one night to the graves of the women, uh, their um, loved ones who they've lost and buried. And they all died from this disease, this, like, fungus that grew out of them, uh, and killed them all, and he realizes when he's sitting at their graves one day that there are odd mushrooms growing out of the graves, like, big, huge, these big yellow mushrooms that are growing out, um, and super rapidly, and he's concerned, but, you know, whatever, we're all gonna die, so, like, weird mushrooms are not up there on his priority list, uh, except then what, they kidnap him, the weird mushrooms, yep, and take him, like, underground, and he realizes that the mushrooms have grown... Like, the women have not necessarily come back. You don't really know, but the mushrooms have grown into these female-shaped beings that look, have the facial structures of the women that they've lost, and have grown out of the graves of the women that they've lost. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the camp, essentially, is split into factions of people who think, oh, yay, the women have been returned to us in the form of these mushrooms who can't talk. Isn't that an improvement? And then the other half is... Uh, Men who were like, uh, "I'm sorry, are you all are you all nuts? Like these are mushrooms. Should we, should we put them in soup? Like this is these are not our mothers and daughters and wives and you know." Um, and so <laughs> that's and then everything just kind of falls apart after that. Like they start breeding with the mushroom women. I don't know what to call them because they're not mushrooms, but they're not women. Um, and the infighting gets worse and worse and worse. And I'm not going to spoil the ending for you, but it's weird. It's just weird. It's so <laughs> weird. I will say that in this like sub-genre that exists. And when I was talking to Jen about this uh, a couple of Mm. weeks ago, we were talking about like weaponized women is like a thing now Mm -hmm. in books, like the the, um, uh, Stephen King book that he wrote with his son. Sleeping Beauties. Beauties. And then The Power. Yeah, and The Power. And then this one where the women come back as you know, fungi that are more physically capable than the men and the general search of very much reverse, like the mushroom women do all the physical labor, the men do the cooking and all that sort of thing. They're very binary. Um, Like they're in these books, the concepts of, of men and women are very, are very binary. Um, And she's not necessarily examining that in this, novel so that's a that's a problem that i have with both this book and this kind of subgenre that's emerging in general but it's super freaking weird like it's just you can't i'm still you know like i and i feel like that's a testament to her writing is like month a month later i'm still like what did i just like what even is that like i need to i want to find her and sit her down and be like explain yourself to me um so yeah super weird super weird so that's the beauty by Aaliyah whiteley let me stop and that's our show. Is that our show? That's our show. Hooray! I'm so befuddled <laughs> now. Like, I can't even get my brain together. Mushrooms. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Mushroom ladies. Um, thank you for listening to the show. Please go leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes the show easier for people to find when they're searching. Thank you so much to our sponsors for making our show possible. You can find us on social media. I'm mostly on Instagram at I'm Amid and Nelson. And Jen, tells them.
1: I am on Tumblr. It's JenIRL.tumblr.com. And is Jen with two N's. And we will talk to you all next week.